It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota and Dawkin Cabin. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch on this beautiful March Tuesday afternoon. Great to have you have you with us on the show again today. Coming up over the next couple of hours, Louise has a massive spider in her house. Miles Nolan is an arachnologist. He knows all about spiders and he's going to tell us all about the creature that inhabits her four walls. And we hear news of another type of spider uh, that's uh, become quite prominent in the northeast in recent days as well. We'll clarify all a little bit later on in the show. Pat Harty, how is he doing? Two years on from having COVID, we'll find out. John Lowe, the money doctors here. Mortgage rates are on the rise. Interest rates on the rise. What should you do with your mortgage? John advises. I have your number two on Tuesday. A cracking song that didn't make it to number one. And we'll uh, let you know what made the number one spot uh, then as well. And if you want to get in touch with us on the show, don't forget the usual numbers 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me directly to the show the war rages on in Ukraine it's unbelievable to see what's happening I never thought I'd see this or believe it could happen again in my lifetime but it is and it's shocking and millions of people are on the move away from the war in Ukraine staying within the country itself moving to adjacent nations and you know of course lots of Ukrainian people have come to Ireland over 10,000 at this stage and it's great to see the response here at home making homes and opening up homes to people that are in distress leaving a war zone one of those joins me next because she's arrived with her husband in Rathalton County Mead and I'm delighted to say Hello this afternoon to Natalia Zitarik. Hello, Natalia. Hello. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Uh, tell us about uh, where you come from in Ukraine. You live in a village called Ternopil. Where is that? Is it near Kiev? Uh, hello. Thank you for inviting me to your show. Um, uh, I live with my husband in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. My hometown is Ternopil. It's a small town in the western part of Ukraine, near Lviv, the one of the bigger city. Yes. So actually, we leave, we lived in Kiev, the capital, and we left Kiev on the first day. We were really lucky to do that on the first day, on the twenty fourth. 
So you didn't stay at all like many uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of others have out trying to hang on in a, in a desperate situation. You got out on day one. Do you mind me asking you, you, you living in Kiev, what did you do there? What did yourself and your husband work at? Uh, we uh, worked for logistics companies, uh, both with my husband, just for different logistics company. Okay, so you had nice jobs there, happy in Kiev, lovely city. Yes, we uh, had a really great life there. We bought um, an apartment, we bought a car, uh, we had um, we had some savings. We had opportunity to travel a few times a year, and uh, we had a lot of plans and really happy life there. And suddenly it's turned upside down by this invasion by uh, the Russian army under the instructions of uh, Putin. Um, Leaving on day one, why did you go immediately? Why did you get out straight away? Um, Because um, we read the news and we had um, kind of same situation in Ukraine in 2014 where people from Donetsk and Lugansk region were had to leave their places, had to leave their houses and go somewhere else. And I have a friend who lived in Donetsk and she has to leave uh, her home and just go to different city because of the war. Mm. And we knew that Russia uh, can do just the same. And um, we decided to leave Kyiv immediately because we were afraid that he will start bombing Kyiv in the evening or during the night and it was really good decision to leave because actually uh, a lot of my friends who stay there for the 25th and next day they they just spend the whole night and whole day in shelter mm. they had to get down underground to uh, avoid the bombing raids um yes, we woke we woke up in the morning because our friend called us and told that please um hurry up and leave Kiev because war has been started. So um, first few hours we still uh, stay in Kiev, but around 1 p.m. Uh, we saw the helicopters. We saw the news that helicopter, Russian helicopters started to bomb a city near, uh, near Kiev, like 20 kilometers away, 30 kilometers away, and they were really close. And then we decided to leave. What did you bring with you? I just uh, bring the small backpack with two trousers, two sweaters, just some cosmetics, and that's all. Our documents and some money. You that's left all. You left everything else behind in the apartment? We just left everything in Kiev. And did you take your car as you made your journey from Kiev? Uh, our friends had cars, and um, we uh, left using their car. So your car is still there as well? Yes. So you left literally with a bag each with just the minimum of possessions, clothes to put on your back and nothing else? When we came here to Ireland, my sister was really nice because we went for shopping, we buy some clothes because I really didn't have anything. Um, In Ukraine, it's still winter weather. So I had a, a winter coat and it's here in Ireland, it's too... Uh, it's not good cold for this weather, so I like didn't even have anything else. So we mm. buy some some stuff to yes 
So you are in Ireland for a reason because your sister lives here in in Retholt. When when you made your way from Kiev out of Ukraine, where did you go to then, and how did you get across to Ireland? Uh, yes, firstly, we went to Chernobyl, to my hometown. We wanted to stay there for uh, when um, we, we wanted to stay there, but actually, it's not really safe to. Uh, two hours before we arrived, air alert started in Chernobyl too. And I met my uh, fr- uh, my parents in the shelter. And uh, we were in the shelter for a few times that night. So we decided that it's not really safe to stay in Chernobyl too. Uh, my husband uh, is from Moldova. He was born in Moldova, but he's living in Ukraine for 12 years. He uh, was studying there. He had a job there. And like all our life was in Kiev. And um, his parents live two kilometers from border, uh, from Ukrainian border. Mm. Uh, They live in Moldova. And they invited us to come there. So we came there for a few days. But uh, it's not really safe in in Moldova, too, actually. Because firstly, uh, their home is only two kilometers from the border. So it's really close. You can just go... um, by foot to the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, Moldova is really afraid of Russia invasion too. They have Pridnistrovia, it's occupied territory, and um, they are all afraid. They are not going anywhere, they are not buying anything, they are just afraid that war will start in their country too. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why my sister was really nice and kind to invite us to stay here because it's more safe and Yes. Um, and she wants to, like, to invite us. We also wanted our parents to come uh, here, but as for now, they don't want to go because uh, I have a grandmother, he's 81, and they are just afraid that it's too long journey for her to come, come here and they don't want to leave her alone. So your parents are still near Chernobyl, Chernobyl with your granny and your husband's parents are just over the border in Moldova and you made your way then from Moldova to Ireland? Yes. It's shocking to leave your family behind. Are you in touch with them? Are you in contact? Yes, we are uh, texting and calling each other like a few times per day. Uh, they're safe now, now but uh, there are a lot, a lot, really a lot of air alert all the time. For example, today, just for a few hours, it was four air alert. Mm. And it means that they need to go to the shelter because there is opportunity that city can can be bombed. And it's few times per day, few times per night. And um, they should stay for, uh, in shelter for one hour, for two hours, even more. Yeah. I may say, have said, it's Chernobyl. Is, Chernobyl is the name of the village, Chernobyl, isn't it? Chernobyl, yes. sorry, I beg your pardon. I just, that's <laughs> my misunderstanding there. Uh, Chernobyl is where you're talking about. Um, now, when you sit here today in Ireland safe and look at the television and you're, I'm sure you're following the news and you're in touch with your folks back home. What, what, what do you think about this Russian aggression? Did you ever expect that they'd come into Ukraine and try to take it over? Um, to be honest, I never, never expect something happened in 21st century in the country that is uh, in the centre of Europe and I couldn't believe, even when my, our friends called us and told that, hey, come, like, hurry up because war has started, I couldn't believe that either. I decided to check Google, to check the news, because I thought that maybe he's wrong and that cannot happen at all. 
And even here, I'm in safe place, in really beautiful country, in really beautiful village, when everything is really nice, people are really supportive, uh, kind. Uh, they are hugging me when I see someone um, in the street or something, and I feel myself really safe. Um, it's hard because a lot of people are not safe. Mm. And just hard to believe. It's and you cannot enjoy all that beauty, all that um, calm life, because you know that a lot, a lot of people are suffering. A lot of women, a lot of children are suffering because of what's going on. Of course. It's very hard to try and separate yourself from your home and what's happening and, and where you are. And I we understand that fully. But you mentioned something there. Your sister, her family, the, her friends in Rathoth and everything have been so welcoming to you all. Yes, um, I felt that, I don't know, spirit of support um, from the very first minute when I arrived to the airport because um, all staff of the airport was really nice. Uh, here in Rotold, the same. Um, they are helping. They are really support, and it's. I appreciate it so much. I never expected something like that. You got a great welcome on St Patrick's Day, the parade in the village there when you spoke to the crowd. That must have been really heartening to feel that yeah. and experience yes. that reception. Totally true. I, I was like, I wanted to cry all the time because. I was hugging so many people and so many people told me that they are really sad about what's going on and if I need any help, I can tell them and mm. I really, I, I never expected such um, such welcoming and I'm really, really grateful for all you are doing for us. Nick Killian is on the other line, independent councillor in Mead. Hello, Nick. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I think Natalia has summed it up so well there and what she's been through in recent days since the invasion and the turmoil for her and the the worry for her family back home. But Nick, you have to say the the locals there have been fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, I met her sister, Helene, um, before uh, Natalia came to Ireland and she outlined and obviously... um, it was a pleasure to be able to offer any assistance that we possibly could here in Rathout and we'll, we're delighted to do so. And both to uh, Natalia and to Stanislav, her husband, they are very welcome. And they were made very welcome, particularly on St. Patrick's Day. It was extremely, it was a moving event. And, you know, when you think about what the horror that's going on in their country and um, the bit of love that we were able to give back, I, I hope it gave uh, encouragement to Natalia and to Stanislav and indeed to Helena and uh, Eric her, her, or Victor, her, 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 her family, who are still in Chernobyl. And, you know, we're, the Rizzo's community here has always been a, a giving community and any other families that will come in will get a similar uh, welcome and a similar help of any kind that they may require um, in, uh, over the next couple of weeks. And indeed today, um, I was asked to assist in getting some uh, students into St. Oliver's Community College in Drogheda. And I'm delighted to say that the principal there, John Halpin, um, said, yes, just send them down and we welcome them with open arms. And 
I have spoken to Martin O'Brien, the CEO of LMETB as well, and he has said that the Loudmead Education Training Board will not be found wanting in assisting any family from an educational perspective at uh, at either primary level, at uh, post-primary level, or indeed from an adult education point of view, and the services of the LMETB will be made available. So that's great encouragement, and I hope it's encouragement to the families that come into County Mead in particular. Mm. And I know they've already been made welcome. There was a, a little function there that was organised by um, Sharon Kyogen and Julique there, and I know they were made welcome there on Sunday. So, you know, we're, we're delighted to have... Um, Natalia, and what's wonderful is, and she was she was with me here this morning, um, and she was telling me that the company that she works for is an American company, and she can she can now work for her American company for the time being, anyhow, here in Ireland. So that's a very positive yes. um, uh, thing that the technology that we have can help her uh, assimilate into Ireland and help her to work as well, mm. and. You know, we we just look forward to welcoming whoever comes into County Meath. And I know that the local authority here and all my colleagues on the council and the communities across Meath will do whatever is necessary to, to, to assist and help out. You're doing a great uh, job. You really are, everybody. And uh, it shows again the the open-heartedness of Ireland. And there is a way, Nick. There's always a way to help. That's the thing about it. No matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, these people, my God, when you hear Natalia there, just a, a case each, nothing else. That's all. No, and, you know, she's a very strong uh, young lady. And uh, I just, her, my admiration for her is, uh, is total. They, they, they were here with me, both herself and Stanislav, this morning. And they're so strong. Yes, they're sad. Mm. The sadness is in their eyes. You can see it. You can hear it in their voice. You heard it yourself there. And they're thinking about their friends. They're thinking about their parents. They're thinking about their grandparents. You know, we really don't, I suppose, we don't fully understand what no. that feeling is like. No, no. Yes, sir. That's so, true. That's true, Nick. So well said. Nick, I'll just go back to Natalia for a moment. Natalia, you're still there. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure your hope is that this war will end soon and uh, that uh, you will return to your homeland, Ukraine, one day. Yes, yes. We really want to go home, really, really want to go back to Ukraine, to our life and to help our country to um, to rebuild our country from all that consequences we have now. But I believe that we will get just stronger and everything would be better. For sure. You've put up a remarkable resistance, haven't you, your people? The bravery, the determination. You know, I think people thought that you'd be just rolled over. Not a chance. Yes, yes. I I always knew that um, people of Ukraine are really strong, but I also couldn't even imagine how really strong they are and how they fight for their freedom, for their life. They have to. They have no other choice. They want to, their freedoms to remain. They don't want to be part of something that doesn't allow them express themselves freely or, you know, go about their lives freely. We all understand that. That's why you're in this country. We uh, uh, treasure our freedom and, and I know the Ukrainian people do too. And please God, sooner rather than later, I say it again, the guns will fall silent, the bombs will stop dropping and that this war will come to an end and that Ukraine 
will be restored as an independent free nation sooner rather than later. You're in great hands in County Meath. I wish you well and thank you for telling us your story on the show today, Natalia. Thank you so much and thank you, Nick, for all the help we got from you. We appreciate it so much. You're very welcome. Nick, thank, thank you for joining us too and thank you for uh, uh, to all the people there for all you're doing and in the northeast and right round the country as well. Thank you both very much indeed. Take care. Bye. Thank and you. Bye. Bye bye. That's Natalia Jitterik there and Nick Killian who's involved in uh, the relocation process there. And I said, what an open heart. What an open heart this country has. What generosity of spirit we have as well. It's a wonderful thing in the Irish people. And... Uh, Please, God, you know, people will feel a little bit at home here, even though, as you heard there, they are so worried and so concerned about their loved ones back in the Ukraine, and understandably so. I may be mistaken, but I think he'll put me right anyway. But since we've been talking on this show, The Late Lunch, which is many moons now, I don't think we ever spoke in the context of interest rates rising. Money, Dr. John Lowe, am I right? You're absolutely right. Good, good afternoon, Jerry. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely right, Jerry. We we've uh, only been, it's only been like since 2008 when the ECB rate went to zero percent. We're st- we're still there. So this is the first time that interest rates on a fixed rate certainly have started to rise. That ECB rate of zero percent, but it's still there. It's still zero. Mm. They haven't raised the, the, that rate yet, and probably not likely to. By the way, in the next uh, year or two. But uh, as you know, with inflation going on and with all that's happening, uh, unfortunately, in the Ukraine and, and, and worldwide, um, uh, energy costs going up, everything's going up, inflation's gone up. Some of the fixed rates are now starting to move mm. on, the, on the mortgage front, yeah. Yeah, and that's why you're with me today, because I've been having a gander through the variable and fixed rates today. What do you say in a general sense? You do say there to me that you don't think the ECB will move in the short to medium term. So are you saying to people, if you're on variable, continue along? No, because the, uh, where the where the the, the real benefit are uh, is rather is uh, those are those um, uh, fixed rates because you know the standard variable rates, which is um, the ECB rate, it, it can be dictated by the banks, and as you can uh, obviously you know discover that uh, each bank have a different standard variable rate to the next, mm. uh, so you can be paying you know even uh, historical standard variable rates, you could be find yourself paying three and a half or maybe more. A um, lot of people apathy reigns and they don't bother looking at the rates that they're paying. But I would challenge all of your listeners, if they're on a standard variable rate, go and find out what it is. And if it is over 3%, then you can make a real killing. You can make a real saving. Yes, and, and I just looked at ICS, uh, from what I saw today, have the lowest variable at 2.45, but it goes up to 3.35 and beyond, John, on variable. Yeah, because again, it's you know the, the 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 lower the percentage you're borrowing on the value of the property, the, the lower the rate. It's like the fixed rates, like oh, you mentioned, one point nine five. One point nine five percent is uh, you know add on money, but you have to be borrowing sixty percent or less. So you know you don't go to add on money with a ninety percent requirement. Yes, yes, and, and I saw that I want money on the fixed coming to the fixed now. Seven year, they have a seven five and four and three yeah. year rate, all at one point nine, but it's six. 60%, as you say, loan to value. Yeah, and there's very few people who have that, except, you know, those maybe historically who've got mortgages, you know, 15, 20 years ago. 
Mm. So the more practical ones then would be on the fixed EBS 2.1, AIB 2.15. Yeah. I mean, again, if, if I was a young uh, first-time borrower and uh, you're looking at, you know, you know 90% uh, rates, uh, I would be, uh, you know, because of the uncertainty at the moment in the world, I would be looking to fix that maybe for three years. You can get like two point, as you say, four five, uh, two point four five 2.45%. Um, uh, or maybe slightly, slightly better, depending on on your if you're a ber ber uh, rated uh, property. Um, at the same time, uh, I I wouldn't be that interested in a standard variable rate because of the volatility of that rate. I mean, things can just suddenly change. Mm. So your recommendation today, number one, look at the rate you're paying and the type of mortgage you're on, whether it's variable uh, or fixed. Can you move from one fixed pro- uh, uh, provider of the mortgage to another? No, you generally, if, if there's a fixed rate, you're on a fixed rate, you normally pay a penalty to, to get out of it. Okay. Although some of the lenders um, waive that now at the moment. Mm. Some of them have started to waive the, the fixed rate and as long as you stay with them. Okay. Um, but if you're going to another competitor, yes, they're going to levy a, a charge on you. Um, but remember that if you find that you're on a standard variable rate and say you're over 3%, then the, the two other things that you've got to bear in mind, uh, three things actually, one is have you still got the ability to be able to warrant that mortgage? So you look at your income. So your joint income, three and a half times whatever that mortgage is, is what you need. And if, you, if one of you, for instance, like a couple of years ago, decided to... Um, stop working financially and stay at home and mind children, for instance, um, that would Im- impact on your ability to, to uh, you know, swap it to another I- lender. Mm. The second thing then is, um, you know, uh, your credit history. You, you know, th- there's the Central Credit Re- Register, .ie, is now the only place where you can check your credit history. It's free. You can give them a ring, give your date of birth, your uh, home address and your name, and you get a report three or four days later. And basically what effectively that will tell you is if you've got any blips, if you've missed one payment, it's there for five years. So you need a clear history as well. Um, and then the, the final thing is loan to value. There's still some, uh, Jerry, some some uh, borrowers who are still in negative equity. So they own more than they actually, um, in the value of the property is, than the value. Yes. So you, you need to be 80%. If you're swapping, switching your mortgage, 80% is the max you can you can uh, swap over. Okay, and that's very so important to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, what about the whole area of solicitor's fees and auctioneer's fees who value properties when you're switching that? You've got to take those into account as well, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a general uh, uh, kind of norm of 1% plus VAT plus outlay for solicitors. But I always say go and uh, shop around. I mean, it is really, you will get some, some uh, I mean, it's the same. Conveyance is the same from one solicitor to the next. So really, uh, it, it depends on, on how much it's going to cost. Uh, that You should dictate whether that solicitor gets the business or not. That's number one. I think you can get, you know, especially for a new property or if it's if it's a first-time borrower, you could get up to half a percent or even slightly less, half a percent plus VAT plus outlay. So on on the estate agency again, it's also about uh, shopping around. It's also about negotiating um, because you know I think they'll quote one and a quarter, maybe one and a half percent, but you can get them below one percent in some cases, um, and it just depends how 
you know, eager you are to sell your property, that will probably dictate what you accept. Yes. Now, that you're saying there is in the context of, say, somebody taking out a mortgage for the first time on a new property. When you switch, do you have to involve your solicitor or an auctioneer to value the Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. You, okay. you have to get a solicitor involved anytime you're you're tinkering with your uh, property, like switching okay. uh, or buying or selling. You have to involve a solicitor. Um, can yeah, that's a question. You can switch from a variable to a fixed. No, that's not an issue. That that's yeah. open to you. You can yeah. do that at any stage. Absolutely, and there's no cost in that. Uh, it's just a question of getting the best fixed rate that suits your particular circumstances. Some people, Jerry, they want a, a long term, so they you know get over this war, get over everything, and um, hopefully by the end of the of the term, things will be back to a little bit of normality. Mm. What happens? Somebody wants to know when the term ends, the term of the fixed. Where are you then? Well, you're still with the same institution and they will uh, automatically put you onto their standard variable rate. And again, it won't be your the one that's been advertised. It, it'll be their old one, which is going to be uh, probably about 1% more. Uh, but you have the option to stay with them and, uh, and get offered whatever their fixed rate option is. There was a time, Jerry, a couple of years ago when um, the, the lenders, when, when you came off a, a fixed rate and you go onto that standard variable rate, they would send out a new suite of fixed rates, but they were nothing like the ones they were offering new customers. And now some of those banks have actually matched that that same new offer for new customers. So there's little discrimination now at the moment. But they will offer you a fixed rate. But if it's not good enough, you, you move. It's as simple as that. Um, I was talking to somebody recently who attempted to switch from one provider to another. This was just in a social conversation. And he said to me, not a chance. They would get bogged down in administration, paperwork, document. And to be honest with you, at the end of the day, they threw their hat at it, John. Yeah, I can understand that because there is, unfortunately, some administration involved. You have to get six-month statements. You need your uh, your ID, proof of identity, uh, your PPS number. Plus, you then need three months salary slips, status inquiry form, and just to make sure you know your your uh, you know your good name is still intact, uh, a report. Uh, so all, all of that has to be done. But, it, you know, it's worth it to go through that, you know, uh, because most of the paper, if you go through an intermediary like ourselves, we do most of that work for you. We just ask you for things. We, we don't actually um, get the, the client to do all that. Mm. Uh, we just, they supply us the information and we do it. But it, it's, it's, it's really pain-free. It's just, it takes a while. I mean, every single lender, Jerry, at the moment is having a problem with uh, administration. The staff who are, who are working from home, for instance, they don't have the files with them obviously at home. Um, it takes like maybe two or three weeks just to get an application that was sent in uh, to be looked at, let alone approved. Just to be looked at, is, it could take two or three weeks. Mm. So there's there's a lot of uh, uh, you know delays at the moment with some of those lenders, and that leads again to frustrations on the part of the people who are looking for kind of immediate answers. And John, don't forget the savers. I'm reminded by a listener here. What about uh, interest rates for savers? Any light on the horizon there, John, says a listener? Oh, I don't think so, no. Uh, and I think the, the long-term uh, thing will be still low ro- uh, interest rates. I mean, you know, the credit unions at the moment, you know, they're paying uh, negative interest to the banks. AIB are charging 065 and Bank of Ireland are charging 0.4% to the credit unions for their surplus funds. 
So that hasn't yet, I, you know, I think I made a comment with the, uh, one of the lotto winners, 30.9 million that they won, that they were going to have a real problem. Uh, first of all, finding the bank who would take it. And secondly, finding the bank who would take it and not charge them. Yes. Yes, isn't it amazing to think of that in the context of a massive win like that. Anyway, John, you've been most helpful today. You've given us many pointers there. Money doctors in the plural, dot IE. John is always there to help you, available on Zoom or whatever. And for sins, he's still supporting Tottenham, but I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried as a gunner. It's you or us for Europe next year for the Champions League. You've come from nowhere to a a rock steady fourth and and in situ now for that European spot. Oh, I wouldn't say I'm so. sick as a parrot, i got to tell you. <laughs> no, don't despair on Conte. He's a brilliant tactician. It's not over yet, and the fat lady has a long way to go before she sings. John, lovely to talk to you as always. Thank you, Jerry. Good, Take good care, afternoon. Bye-bye, bye-bye. John Lowe there, the money doctor, moneydoctors.ie. Just if you are switching there, as he said there himself, if you're involved in it on your own, uh, but people like John, who's an independent advisor, can help with all that heavy paperwork, etc., just to keep that in mind. But fixed? Well, it looks like the option at the moment. 1.95 with Avant Money, uh, AIB 2.15, EBS 2.1, and you can check all that out online for sure. On late lunch this Tuesday, coming next, it's your number two. Stay with us. Time now for your two on Tuesday on Late Lunch. What am I talking about if you're not with us on a regular basis? Well, at this time on Tuesday, right about this time each Tuesday on the show, we uh, spin, spin a disc, we play a song that reached number two in the charts but never made it to that number one spot. And today I go back to March 1991 when this song was released. It quickly made its way up the UK charts but it couldn't get beyond number two, where it stayed for three weeks. James, and sit down. Number two for three weeks on the 31st of March, the 7th and 14th of April, 1991. Louise, should have been a number one. It's a great song. It's the cooler of the two. (laughs) It is the cooler of the two because we're going to tell you now (laughs) what kept it off. Number one, you love this number one. I think this number one deserved to be number one. Well, the number one we're going to hear that prevented Sit Down Make It to number one, when, I'll tell you this about it, I never realised this, it was at number one for five weeks. It was there a week before Sit Down hit number two and it remained there a week after. So five weeks in total it was at number one in the charts. Will we let them hear it? Mm-hmm. Go on, give it a spin there. We'll have a listen. The same as I wasn't going to play the whole lot of it, but it sort of grows on you. It has air guitar, it can jump around, it is everything. And 
You even put your hands up in the air at the chorus. <laughs> it grows in you. It does grow in you. I know why you love that song. Why? Because you are the one and only. They threw away the mould for sure. That's why you love that song. Yeah, I'm a one hit wonder too. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But that was actually, yes, a good job he had that one because that's his pension. Because just looking at his record subsequently, the next one he released went to number 27, 57 the next one, 63 in the charts. He didn't chart with the next two, 74. You know, he was drifting away. But so it's it wasn't his looks that made it no, anyway. No, well, there you go. He's 50. He's 50 Is years he? of age at the minute, Chesney Hawks. And he's appeared in television and uh, he's done a lot of other things Famous since dad. then. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But that song was massive. It really was. Uh, you shook your booty to that song, I take I'm many Nelly times. horse. Yeah. Singing it. You want to see the goes were in the studio here. <laughs> I, I should have I put the phone. Roaring. I should have put the phone on and took a little vid and put it up and let people see. It is, though. It's a great chorus, hasn't it? It, yeah. it does get you going. But the other song probably is better musically and all that, but oh, it's so. just... No, I think so. Jump around. I think James' song is just... It has something about it. And I'd say only for it came up against this one that yeah. had been in there before and, you know, got a lot of play and was embedded in the charts at number one. Five weeks. I'll tell you one thing. It's a fair song that stays at number one for five weeks. It really is to give it credit. Uh, but there you go. Poor James never made it uh, to number one, even though, as you said, it is a fantastic song, mm-hmm. uh, surely in, in its own in its own right. I just wanted to say, isn't the weather just lovely? It's you know, we <laughs> top off Tuesday. That's oh, what today is. Well, I tell you, it's just uh, this morning. It was just uh, so nice to be out and about in the lovely sunshine and and dry weather. That's to continue right into next weekend as well. And you know, I have often said it here. You know, when we we'd be despairing with the rain. Mm-hmm. And you remember, sure, only a few weeks ago, we were on the water and the mud and everything. <laughs> but it, 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 this time of year, March, and you get a good east wind like we have at the minute, it dries everything up in absolutely no time. It really does. And it is great to see it. And good to hear as well, the incentives have been provided to farmers to grow crops. We need now to mm. grow more cereal in this country for our own use. And we've got to be more self-sufficient in everything. Get sowing a little bit of ground in your garden. Get out there and put stuff in. We'll have to get you going on the garden front. Yeah. My husband has, has planted loads has of again. Yeah, Good man owned. Great stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. So I listen, just watched him. You could just watch them grow. You could throw <laughs> sugar at them and, and, and dance to Chesney Hawks and say, I am the one and only to the vegetables. There you go. <laughs> anyway, I thought I'd make them grow bigger. Yeah, yeah. You sang to them. Well, you talk to the plants, so you sing to the vegetables. Louise. They might just die. Leave the vegetables alone. Yeah. Will you? <laughs> I hear you. Let them at their own stuff. Anyway, coming up next on Late Lunch, uh, you will remember him if you follow us on the show. And if you do, don't or didn't, you'll enjoy his story. Because a couple of years ago, when COVID became a reality in this country in the spring of the year, Pat Harty was on death's door for weeks. He survived. He talked to us subsequently. We have him back with us in a few moments, two years on. In the spring of 2020, as COVID began to grip this country and we had no vaccines against it and we're only learning about the uh, seriousness of uh, the disease, Pat Harty, a fit man in his 50s, succumbed to COVID and he told us his story on this show uh, he said goodbye to his family. He thought he'd never see them again. He was on life support for days and days. 
But he came through somehow and emerged the other side and bit by bit regained his strength. And it's about two years ago at this stage since he was on death's door. And it's more appropriate, it really is, that we catch up with him today. Hello again, Pat. Jerry, how are you? I'm really good. Good afternoon. Now, thank you so much for joining me on the show uh, today. Tell us first off, Pat, two years on, how are you? Um, I'm still on the road to recovery, Jerry. Um, I would have good days and bad days. Um, it's probably it's the cuts of another three weeks. It'll be two years since um, I kind of went down this road, and um, it's basically been a very long, very long road. And um, I thought once I came out of hospital, I'd be back to work within a month or two. But um, my kind of journey only started then. In, different stages where I'm, I'm attending hospital now, different clinics on a regular basis with uh, different consultants and doctors and that. And we have kind of set out five or six different categories where they're dealing with them. And they're more or less learning off me. The fact that I was one of the the first wave patients for them, they are actually um, learning off me and actually how this progresses over a period of time. So, um, yeah, I still have um, things wrong with me, a um, number of different issues, but I have my limitations and I have just strict rules to abide by. And that's um, that's basically how I live my life now. It's a different life, um, totally different life. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like, over over time, um, things will get a little bit better. I'm not saying I'm as bad as I was when I came out of hospital, but mm. definitely um, I have a little bit to go yet. You know? So you have long COVID, Pat? I do. I'm um, I'm basically one of the uh, 120,000 people in this country with long COVID. And um, there's basically, I suppose, 1.2 million got COVID. There's one in 10 out of that got long COVID. And we're all different. Like, we all have certain things that are common, wrong with us. But... Um, in general, um, yeah, there is a lot of people out there, the silent sufferers more or less, that uh, have this long COVID thing. And uh, it's just something that I suppose for me on a ventilator for um, for 15 days, I probably things went wrong and it done harm to me. And that's the things that probably are not fixing themselves, uh, mm. you know. But mm. um, I still would have, uh, you know, fatigue, lack of sleep, joint pain, low immune system and short-term memory, breathlessness. I would have all of those things that I'm kind of dealing with now. And um, in fairness to, you know, everybody above in the Lord, they're, they're doing a great job and trying to keep me on track. But um, yeah, that's that's currently the situation, Jerry. It's a lot of things to deal with, Pat. You know, when you mentioned about five or six things there that are really debilitating. And, you know, even one of them would be a challenge to any of us in, in the full of our health. Does it ever yeah. get you down, Pat? Did you ever say? Uh, why yeah, I went through that. I went through that phase where, um, and it probably would have been only six months after I came out of hospital. That um, you know, you're sitting, I suppose, in a room on your own. You're thinking about what happened, and something just in your head triggers it off. And uh, yeah, I went down a road of um, of a kind of a dark place, really, for for a while but uh, I got out of it and I would be generally a positive person so it, it's it's really entirely up to the individual at the end of the day mm. how you pull yourself out of it you know so I just I just do things in a different way and um, I walk my day around what I have and what I can do yeah 
Um, and that's just basically it. You know, I probably am only half the person I was, but I make the most of the of the 50% as opposed to the last half full scenario, you know. And Pat, I take it you're not back at work? No. Oh, you I'm not back at work. Um, mm. My my day, I suppose, my energy level in the day is only about 30 or 40% of what you would have after a night's sleep. So I have to more or less kind of divide that energy around what I'm doing in the day. And if I use it up all in the morning, I'm, you know, in bed in the, in the evening and the afternoon. Um, so I have to kind of break up my day in a certain way. So I suppose I go for maybe a 10 or 15 minute walk. That's as far as I go. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ventured now down the town or it wouldn't have been, you know, general crowds or anything like that. I would have kind of spent most of the last two years now in around this area. Mm. Um, Keeping so, yourself um, to yourself, uh, yeah. social life, that type of thing, no? No, no, no holidays, no social life, no nothing. Um, no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have dabbled in it because simply because I'm putting myself at risk. Yeah. Um, and the days we're living in now, I know, you know, society has to move forward. But, um, you know, I have to think of myself. And that's more or less where we are now with COVID-19. Um, mm. Every individual has to think of themselves. I just, I just, the way I look at things, everybody has COVID to me still. And I have to mind myself. Um, if I just take a wrong road or get mixed up with the, the wrong situation or scenario, I'm in trouble, you know. I yeah. could be in serious trouble. Yeah. So I, I just have my limitations and mm. that's that's mm. just the way it is. You know the man you live within those parameters as yeah. well and it's not easy. It is not easy. I hear I, I hear what you're saying to us. The other thing is, Pat, just on a general sense, having had COVID, did you have the vaccinations? I did. Um, I had all vaccinations and I had boosters and like being vulnerable, I suppose, I that would be highlighted to me through um, my GP and that and you know, uh, there is supposed to be talks of another one coming up maybe in June or July. But yes, absolutely. I like to be honest with you. The, the, the most important measure by a mile is to have your vaccinations and to be boosted. Yeah. Like it's it's proven that the, the conversion of the hospitalisations and ICU are lower due to the vaccine protection. You know, mm. and current numbers, I suppose, in hospital at the moment, like. The ones that are suffering, a third of the people in ICU now haven't had the vaccination. So it's mm. the writing's on the wall. If you don't, if you don't do what you're supposed to do or asked to do, you know you, you're you're just putting yourself at risk. Yeah. And certainly at this this around this time, um, where you know COVID now has a has a free run really. There's no barriers there. Um, you know, like it can walk its way around a lot easier now. There's no social distancing or maybe hand sanitising or you know so it's kind of everyone for themselves Jerry. Yeah and that that is a, a well made point because that is the way it is Pat. Now some people are still uh, cautious and we're hearing word today that you know the INMO are asking again for masks to be reintroduced yeah. to remind people again because we see the numbers even since St Patrick's Day 64,000 cases uh, since yeah, the 17th of March Yeah that's frightening and um, that's back to I suppose middle of last year kind of mm. numbers were. Mm. And, you know, that's only 64,000 cases of what we know of. Yes. I'd say you could double that, maybe. Mm. And, and, I, I, and, and no. Pat, you hear this yourself, we hear it here, there are people getting COVID all over the place at the moment, you know, and people yeah. getting it for a second and third time as well. Correct, yeah. 
and it's a worry. It is. It has to be. It has to be a worry. And I think maybe uh, we should all take personal responsibility. You're right. The regulations are. You know, the impositions are gone. But it comes back to every one of us. And you do it yourself. You've just told us about it. It, it does. Yeah. Well, the, the age groups out there that you know they know themselves who are vulnerable. Certainly over sixties or into seventies, they are certainly vulnerable. But. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest, I suppose, barrier you can have is the expert vaccination and the booster. Um, I've just realised there, even in the last six months, that, you know, people that are kind of close to me and in my kind of circle of friends, they are getting it now. And it's, you know, it's more or less everyone's getting it. Mm. Everyone, anybody who didn't get it is getting it. But yeah. like the fact, I think, that even though the virus itself is kind of watered down, it seems to be spreading more faster and more infectious, you know. And this new one now that the, I just heard Professor Luke O'Neill talking about it there this morning, um, he reckons everyone would probably get this new variant now of uh, Omicron mm. um, because it can travel so fast. Yes. And, you know, if you're in the wrong environment, and like, I'm not knocking, I'm, I'm all for moving forward and getting society back up and running again. But, um, you know, I think in certain in certain degrees that, that the restrictions that were lifted and, and face masks and that, I think they were taken, you know, they came in too quick in certain areas. And, um, you know, for that, you know, if that uh, new uh, Omicron variant comes on board, um, it will travel fast and certainly, um, you know, as I said, like you need your vaccination and your booster. If you haven't got them, um, you could be in trouble. Yeah. You mightn't get it as bad as I got it, but you'll still get it, mm. you know, bad enough. And Pat, you know, just uh, for yourself, you know, people, you, you, you hear it still and you heard it quite a, a lot during the, uh, the worst days of COVID that, you know, people, some people said, look, this is a, a, a farce, really. It's a conspiracy. It's not real. It's not that dangerous. It's like a flu. Well, you're an example yeah. and many others that that certainly isn't the case or hasn't been or won't be. No, it's, uh, I suppose, you know, COVID-19 is not a physical disease. It's not a cut in the face. It's not a broken arm. It's not, it's inside you. You can't see it. It's 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 something that travels around you. I, I had it probably two weeks before I realised that I was in trouble. And I had no symptoms. Um, like, I suppose constantly during the time I was in hospital, and, and I have to, I have to uh, say that the you know nurses, doctors, and everything were brilliant in the hospital, but they were always on to me about you know how how bad it was going to get. Like, even from the the wave one to wave three, and um, I was probably in a, in a very bad situation in a bad wave. But um, like the hospitals are currently in a reservoir for this COVID. Um, you know, it's actually dangerous to go into a hospital now. You have a better chance of getting it in a hospital than you would walking down the street, mm. you know. But um, like as you said, yeah, it's it's um, it's one of those things. It's like, I suppose people nowadays, the fact that on the 28th of February, like, restrictions were lifted and all of that you know if you don't actually know anybody who got it real bad and um, you're probably saying to yourself what's all the talk about you know mm. I didn't get it you know if I did get it, it was only mild it was only like a flu but um, 
there's just there's, there's a certain quantity of people out there like myself that would have uh, witnessed it and got it and they have their story to tell yeah. but like as time goes on you know yourself it's old news it's old news. Yeah, but it's important news to remind people of, and that's why you join us today almost two years on from You Got It, and to tell people that you are still dealing with this, not back at work. Life has changed, as you said, uh, immeasurably for you, but on you soldier, Pat, with the uh, support of the people, the medical professions as well, with you, and you have an important message to deliver, which you've delivered to us today. Look, yeah. I just want to say hello to you, wish you well, and uh, continued uh, success on that road to full recovery, Pat. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, appreciate that. Not at Thanks all. Very much. Thank you very much Thank for you. joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. Okay. Remarkable man there, Pat Harty, who teetered on the brink of life and death a couple of years ago. But as you can hear, he is in the battle with long COVID as we speak. And I just want to reiterate some of the points he made there and the numbers that we're hearing about. It's sort of overshadowed by the war, for sure, at the moment. And we fought a war here for two years of a different kind against COVID. But it ain't over either. It ain't over. And to be honest with you, I say to everybody, it's our own now personal responsibility to take care of ourselves and others, vulnerable people who are in our midst. And that's very important to keep in mind. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Back with you in a moment. Between October 68 and January 1969 in America. But that song was originally recorded by Gladys Knight and the Pips, released in September 67, made it to number two on the Billboard Top 100, number one on the R&B charts, and was also a version recorded by the Miracles in 68 as well. But it is synonymous, of course, with Mr Marvin Gaye, Motown's biggest hit uh, from the man himself. Gobbin, Louise. You're disgusted with somebody you saw gobbin. You call yeah. it gobbin. What's gobbin? It's like... Spitting. Spitting, but with you an extra vavoom. Gobbin. You call it, it's yeah. gobbin, it's called, isn't it? You yeah. saw somebody gobbin recently, did I, you? I did. I saw somebody today at today? the side of the street. Just, you know, well-dressed, elderly man. And he just kind of went... Boom! On the side of the Let road. her rip. Why do men do that? I've never seen a woman oh, gob. Women don't well, gob or spit. Maybe they do on sometimes on the playing pitch. Maybe if they're a football <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. But in general terms, I think you're right. It is. What? Why do men gob or spit? I wonder why that is. There seems to be a lot of it. Is there? I don't know. Just, do they have an extra saliva duct or something? Well, and, and there seems to be an art to it. They kind of like stand and throw their head back and then wallop. It comes from the Western movies. <laughs> you remember the boy chewing the tobacco? <laughs> the big mouth of tobacco. Chewing the tobacco famous now. film star used to that, and then it would go. And <laughs> A big lob of it. Actually, now, now that you say it, I, I was watching the golf in America on Sunday night, the Valspar uh, tournament, and Sam Burns, he's 25, he's a young fellow, he was in a playoff, he won it. I don't know how many times the camera went to him and there he was, spitting. On, I'd say it drove the TV people mad. And nobody drew attention to it, but he spat many times. And there's another golfer, Keegan Bradley, a US talented golfer he was in the mix I think uh, in recent weeks he spits all the time if you watch him on the golf course I don't know why it's horrible yeah yeah why it's a habit with some people did it stop when everybody had to wear a mask 
Sure did, because you'd be spitting it yourself. <laughs> yeah. If I tried to do it, I'd just dribble down my chin. <laughs> I know, there's an art in it, all right. I think when people had heavy colds on them or that, you know what I mean? Oh. Uh, You're not spreading it like. Lads wouldn't use a tissue. They'd spit in the pot, spit anywhere. You know what I mean? It's, it's not nice. No, I agree with you. It is not nice, but it's just one of those things. It really is, you know. That, have you uh, ever gobbed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to be honest with you. Yeah, of course, I have. Why? Get rid of the stuff that was blocking my nose and my throat. <laughs> what other way would you get rid of it? So when we were younger, I definitely when we were grown up. <laughs> Jesus, a tissue. We never heard of a tissue in our lives. We hadn't a tissue in that. So why do well, women do that then? Women don't spit. Yeah, why? So what's, why Why do, you know, get know. rid of our stuff in our throat? We're not, you know. You're very refined. Ladies are refined. Fellas are not refined. I think mm. it comes down to something. It's a man thing. You're right. It's a, but it's a shock. I have to say, today in the, mo- in the modern environment, you should be should that carry your tissue if you're cold and that. And we've learned that from the pandemic as well. Seriously, you know what I mean about intimate yeah. tissue and disposing of it and washing the hands. But there you go. Anyway, that lad you saw today wasn't too concerned about anything. He just wanted bang to get rid of whatever was annoying him. Anyway. I know, and I just wonder, but you obviously said that you saw the 25-year-old, so it's not dying out as the generation. No, obviously not when you see it on Prime TV there at the Gulf in America and millions watching it and people there watching the plane, everything spitting away, Sam Burns and Keegan Bradley, I mentioned, does it as well. They're prominent people. And you'll see it in football matches. You will see... Mm. You I suppose know, you can understand football matches with all the exercise. Along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, is it a man thing? Is gobbing a man mm. thing? It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I think we've decided that. Anyway. We don't need any help on that one from anyone out there. Now, my soundtrack this week comes from The Commitments. And did you know, we're a bit of local interest here, that the cores, all three girls and Jim, auditioned for parts in the movie yesterday. They did indeed. And they secured small roles, but... It ironically paved the way for their own success as the movie's musical coordinator, John Hughes, spotted their talent and potential, took on to manage them and, of course, the rest is history. Meanwhile, 1,500 people auditioned for the various roles at the Mansion House in Dublin. Eventually, the main parts were handed out. Andrew Strong played headbanger Deco Cuff. Robert Arkins was the brains behind the concept of the R&B group, Jimmy Rabbit. Angeline Ball, Maria Doyle and Brona Gallagher delivered the vocals as Imelda, Natalie and Bernie. And we couldn't leave out Johnny Murphy as Joey the Lips Fagan. And of course, the wonderful Colin Meany was there too. He played Mr. Rabbit. Yes, such a lineup. Uh, stars who've gone on to greater things and well known faces and voices since the movie was released. And of course, I'm concentrating on the soundtrack of the movie this week and picking a song each day from it. And for today, Tuesday. Here's a classic from the soundtrack, originally released in 1965 by a man central to the story. Yes, the one and only Wilson Pickett. I'm going to wait till the midnight hour When there's no one else around I'm going to take you, girl, and hold you And do all the things I told you in the midnight hour Midnight Hour from The Commitments, my soundtrack this week. Andrew Strong, what a voice he has, isn't it? Just magnificent. Wonderful, wonderful movie. 
and uh, of course it was adapted for the stage as well and I had the pleasure of going to see it in London when it was on the West End over there I'll tell you more about that later on in the week but more about the commitments in words and song round about this time tomorrow on Late Lunch now our Louise Louise here tell them tell them the story our Louise just was so perplexed about a poor spider that she came across in our house poor me I <laughs> tell them about the spider what did you tell me about it you said it was huge it's massive it's a big black spider and it, I mean the body was really big and its legs were really like thick <laughs> like it was a a rugby playing spider can I tell you this you said to me about gobbin and men only spit well mm. Paul was on to us and said I see girls spitting as well and it's shocking Cherry but anyway um, can I say something that women only see women only have eyes it's only women who see massive spiders <laughs> or giant mice or massive rats only women see those things through the eyes of women that they're huge you know I'm, I'm no, right. this one was this one was like from how big? From your tip of your your thumb, and if you kind of put it in a circle to your tip of your first finger, like that big. Well, you've obviously bigger hands than me, but <laughs> no, no. Small, I have small hands. Well, like that size, looking up at me from the sink this morning. And what did you do with him? I turned on the tap. Oh, murderer! <laughs> I wasn't going to ask him to dry murderer. up. Murderer! <laughs> murderer! A, a spider is God's creature. What you should have done was captured him no. in a container. <laughs> And brought him outside and Could let him out. At me. Are you mad in the head? For the love of God, the spider has more to be doing than to jump at you. Let me tell you, go out of that. The poor. It really was a big, and it was really black. And, and, I haven't and, seen and, it in the house before. I we've loads of those little <laughs> mini dandelion ones, and I won't go near them. I'll hoover up the cobwebs, but I won't hoover uh, up them. You no, know she had the temerity, the, the temerity to say to me then on the phone. <laughs> um, sure, you'd be all right. You'd be okay when you wash them down. Well, Insurance spider. I even put the plug in so he can't you, climb back. You, you get drain. yourself washed down a, a drain <laughs> pipe and there's not much hope for you in the future. Anyway. You could have been a champion swimmer in uh, Spider World. Mm, you're trying to now, you're trying to, you're trying to <laughs> console yourself that you're I'm not. I'm not the only woman that, that you're, it you're not a of poor innocent spiders. Anyway, Miles Nolan is Ireland's foremost expert on spiders <laughs> and he's joining us next. He's one of Ireland's foremost experts on spiders. Arachnologist Miles Nolan. He's been with us before on the show and he joins us again today. Hello, Miles. How are you, Derry? Well, Miles, I did ask this sidekick of mine here, Miss Louise Walsh, did she take a picture <laughs> of the spider? Miles, I can't believe it, but she described it. You described him, didn't you, in detail to Miles? You did. I did, yeah. Miles, do you, what, what are Great we talking detail. about here? Please put us at our ease, will you? To put you at your ease, it's a species with the Latin name Amarobius ferox and it's relatively common around Ireland. It looks it's quite large. It's a very dark black colour. It's completely harmless. And the only time you'll see adult males wandering around is late autumn and into the spring period of the year. And that's when they're wandering around looking for uh, women at a, a, a potential mate. And occasionally they will come indoors. Um, I see them, I, I actually expect to see them every year, sort of October, November, February, March, that period. And, and Miles, look. Quite large, Jerry. quite large. Miles, <laughs> Miles, you know when Louise says, like, she's exaggerating, <laughs> Louise, isn't she, Miles? She, well, she, I think especially if you're not 
sort of particularly fond of spiders, uh, even uh, even a relatively small one can loom very large, so to speak. They're not gigantic. They're not nearly as big as the you know the big house spiders that appear in September. You know the the, the common house spiders, but they do look quite sinister because they're a very dark color and. Uh, you know, they don't do much. The, the other thing about them is that you only really ever see males because the females like very, very darkened areas completely hidden away. So you, you actually only see them very rarely. You have to really dig down if you want to find them, which I'm sure Louise doesn't. <laughs> okay, so <No. laughs> she killed an innocent spider today. Murder, I called her early on. The poor thing, there's no need. Like washing them down the sink is the end of the line, isn't it for him? It is, unfortunately, yes. If, they go, if you do manage to wash them down the sink, so you'll probably drown them. Most spiders do drown fairly easily. Some are quite tolerant, they're actually able to uh, survive underwater, but the majority of species that you find in your house, you know, they, if, you, if you've managed to wash them down the cloak hole, they're gone there. She was trying to tell me that he was an expert swimmer. Such nonsense altogether. She's trying to now mitigate her guilt at this stage, <laughs> Miles. And to be honest with you, they wouldn't go near you at all. They don't attack you. You could actually pick them up. I've often done it. Put Get a glass or a, or a, or a beaker Absolutely. and a little piece of paper. Put the paper gently under the spider, beaker on top, carry him outside and let him go. Absolutely. In fact, I met one of, that, one of that species two weeks ago in the house where I live in Dublin, and I did exactly that. In fact, I just picked it up and put it on a bit of newspaper and brought it out to the garden. So, yeah, the vast majority of specimens, you can do that. There are a couple of species, like the daddy longlegs, that only lives in houses, so if you put it outside, it will probably just die. But I think most mm-hmm. people don't mind the daddy longlegs. Nope. Pretty much themselves with the ceiling and the you know, that kind of area of that. Of that. Yeah. So he would have been fine. Louise, there you are. You could have done the humane thing, as Miles says there. And many women would have done that. And we wouldn't be here in a court of law today with me as the judge uh, casting a sentence hour, my, my thoughts on this one, and the spider would have been fine. All would have ended well. Seriously, though, you, you do fear them, Louise. You don't like spiders. No, I don't I'm like a, those yeah, spiders. And no. a lot of people don't. And are, are afraid of Miles. Do, do you understand? I'd actually abandon my children. I'd run. <laughs> <laughs> I must tell Louise's children, if they ever want to <laughs> have a bit of free time, Time, uh, get a spider and let it loose in the house and the mother is gone but seriously Miles you do know people do have an awful fear of them and it's it's irrational isn't it? It is but uh, you know and uh, people have irrational fears of many things and I think a lot of these things are picked up when you're fairly young it doesn't necessarily mean your parents were afraid of them but you only when you're very young you only might have to have one kind of negative encounter and that sort of turns the switch in your head and it stays with you for a long period of time it is possible to get over these things, but it can take a little bit of work. But I mean, I, you know, sitting naturally, I've known people over the years who have fears of moths and birds, and mm. you know, it, it does apply to a wide variety of animals. Now, spiders obviously move very large, and I think one of the reasons for that is simply because even if you don't know very much about natural history, you will recognize a spider. So they're quite identifiable. You know, you can say, ah, that's a spider, Robert. Whereas, like, with, you know, everyone knows what a wasp looks like, but they might not know that there are a couple of thousand other species of much smaller wasps in Ireland. They won't even recognise that they're wasps. Mm. It's, it's always a spider, so you can point your finger at it and say, I don't like you. Or it's quite <laughs> No, do you hear that, Louise? Are you listening to that man giving you the, giving you his his sound expert advice? I will today? do that the next time from about a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, we also had a picture sent to us, and I, I'm familiar with this, and it is a false widow spider. That's the only spider that does actually give you a nip. 
Well, it can give you a nip. There's a few species around that can give you a nip, but even the false widow is very reluctant to do that. And what generally happens is, you know, occasionally a specimen or a spider might, uh, if it's indoors, it, you know, might be tucked away somewhere, it gets disturbed. If you press against it accidentally with your hand or something like that, uh, it'll react in the same way as all of us, and it'll bite, you know. Um, now, it doesn't mean it always bites, but uh, the, the false widow, as you say, it does have rather a strong venom, and uh, occasionally someone can have quite a strong reaction to that venom, and, of course, then we get all the headlines about how we're all going to be murdered by the spiders, which, of course, isn't true. Mm. But look, they don't go out to attack you or bite you. That's no. basically what you're saying to me today. No, not at all. They they simply don't. I mean, it's it's something again. I've noticed over the you know I keep an eye on these things kind of. So at this time of year, you get a few of the folks with assessments wandering around because they've been quite dormant over the winter, and they might have put themselves away. And now they're kind of waking up and wandering around. A bit. So I have seen one or two around. Uh, they will find a, a niche. Our uh, cranny to set a web, and then you won't see them again until later in the year. You know, and uh, they uh, might be mobile again in later. Mm. But they are, like I say, definitely, and they're not out to get you. So even if you do run into one of them in your house, the best thing you can do is do the trick with a bit of paper and the beaker, like yes, yes, come outdoors. You know, good on you, Miles. Listen, thanks for joining us today. I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Miles Nolan there. Now, are you listening, young one? Yeah. Next time, you know what Mm -hmm. to do. The beaker and the paper. You stop gobbling and I'll stop washing (laughs) spiders down the sink. (laughs) Deal, 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 done, deal, done. Wednesday on Late Lunch, Brian Nolan is with us, an expert in end-of-life care with a story of bad care at end-of-life. Liz O'Kane is back. She's a new qualification. Kieran Fleming, a trucker's life and Gavin Ring 10 are all coming up on your Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. But this evening, we leave you in the company of the man in court at the moment about its lyrics. It's Mr. Ed Sheeran. See you for midweek late lunch, 1.30 tomorrow. Every time you come around, you know I can't say no. Every time the sun goes down, I let you take control. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jawhead and Dog and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.